welcome back to our channel and welcome to part four of Talks Movie to Me Tuesday. Or Wednesday or Thursday. It really doesn't matter anymore, actually. It's Tuesday every day. So sorry guys, we've had a little difficulties here at home, but you know, we're pushing it, we're doing it, we're doing it for you. We're so doing good. That's it. <laughs> and if you are a big fan of American Horror Story, then you're in good company because today we'll be talking about true stories from American Horror Story season three, Coven, specifically about Madame Delphine and the axe murder of New Orleans. If you also haven't checked out our other two videos of American Horror Story, you need to check those out. We go into season one and season two, true stories from there as well. Yeah. So definitely check those out. Please. And please feel free to comment down below what you would like to see from American Horror Story. What season, what character. We'd love to do the research. We do it for you all the time. Come on. Please let us know. And just stating this now, there will be spoiler alerts ahead. So if you haven't seen season three, first of all, what are you doing? Second of all, uh, this is your warning. Now, you've been warned. Yeah, so go binge it now and then come back. Yours. And be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. We keep things spooky here all year round. So if you like the spook, then you'll dig us too. Check out our sweatshirt. New sweatshirts, guys. It says God's been drinking coffee. It's us. So you guys already know every year we have to get at least one yeah. or two, I don't know, Halloween shirts. Maybe five. Maybe 12. Um, so this year, this is it. Obsessed. And check out our Insta, our TikTok, our blog. Catch us on Spotify. Shout out to Joe Rogan if you want to sponsor us. Joe. Joe, we love, love you, Joe. Join our <laughs> podcast, please. Um, so let's get property on 1140 Royal Street in downtown New Orleans. In 1832, she built a three-story mansion on that property, with part of it being devoted to the enslaved people's quarters. And just a side note, if you know anything about history, obviously you know back then, it was unfortunately extremely common for the rich to have enslaved people, and Madame Delphine had her own. So sad. Yeah. Around the town, the Lollery family was extremely well-known and well-liked. They were also known for throwing very grand and extravagant parties. However, the Lollery name would start to become the center of rumors and suspicion. According to many, Delphine did not treat the enslaved people properly, and some even claimed they witnessed their mistreatment and abuse. However, this contradicted with how she would act in public toward her enslaved people. In public, she was really nice and treated them quote-unquote fairly, which I don't, who even knows what that yeah, means? Yeah, honestly. I don't even know what that means. 
Some records even go as far as claiming she set some of them free. However, these rumors still can continue to be the talk of the town. Interestingly enough, a lawyer ended up going to her house with what was called the slavery code back then, and with that were the basic requirements for treatment. Apparently, the lawyer said everything seemed to be normal, nothing was out of the ordinary or abusive. However, there was a claim that a man decided to jump out of the third-story window in order to avoid being punished by Delphine, and to this day, that window is still cemented off. Yes. It's really well, her weird. picture here, yeah, it's it's insane. But yeah, the house is still there. Like, mm -hmm. it, I don't know if somebody lives there now. It was bought. I don't. I think we talk about it at the end. Oh, okay, okay. we'll talk about it later. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll insert a picture of that window here. And for those listening, on the third floor of the house, there are six windows going across, and the second to last window is completely cemented shut, which is yeah. weird. Like even to this day. Yeah. Nobody decided to like redo it or yeah. even add a new window. It's just still. Cemented. Really weird. This was just the first of the many stories, and again, just a disclaimer, there's a lot of different versions of the story online, um, and it was in the 1880s, so who really knows, but another story goes that a 12-year-old girl named Lee was being whipped by Delphine until she fell off the roof. She and supposedly another enslaved person had died from unknown causes were buried on the property, which I guess wasn't that uncommon back then because I was reading while doing this research that these people would just go missing and the owners wouldn't do anything. Like nobody would come looking for them because they were considered property. Yeah. So it's just really sad. Like who knows, dude, That's how horrible. many people were affected by her. But so a lot of her, these people that she owned were never seen or heard from again. So I, to me, it's obvious that she was, she was definitely up to something. Yeah. Oh yeah, from the get. And like no one's gonna question her, you know? Like, right. She's this powerful person. This exactly. Person, so, like, this wealthy person bought this property, has all these extravagant yeah. parties, like. And especially if she's like acting nice to other people, you know. What in I'm front of other yeah, people, yeah. yeah, who are obviously watching. Of so course, she's, she's gonna seems, act nice. Like, what yeah. is she gonna do? Though other reports claim that Delphine would keep her 70-year-old chefs locked to the oven so she was always in the kitchen, mm -hmm. ready to cook for her whenever she wanted. Like, how cool is that? So as time continued, many people became more and more suspicious, so much so that investigators showed up at the Lollery house, found them guilty of abuse, and freed nine of their enslaved. But apparently, family members of Delphine bought them all back and snuck them into her house. Like, what? Snuck them back into her house. And again, like, I feel like what's, who's going to do what about it? You know exactly. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I feel like nothing would have been done. No. But soon enough, Delphine's dark secrets would all come to the light. On April 10th, 1834, the LaLaurie's threw a huge party. And during the party, a huge fire ended up breaking out in the kitchen. Interestingly enough, Delphine and Louis, her husband, literally just left. They left their party. They left the house. Interesting. Why? Why is that? Um, they didn't wait for firemen or police to show up. They literally just bounced. Didn't go to a hotel either. Didn't just go down the street and waited out with a friend. They just left the state completely. Wow. Left the country. And they first stopped in Alabama and then they went for Paris. So like, do you think that's sus or not? A little suspicious. Interesting. Interesting. So back in New Orleans, once the firemen showed up, they found the chefs 
chained to the stove and she admitted to starting the fire in an attempt to kill herself and her reasoning for this was that she would eventually make a mistake and that Delphine would take her to the top floor. And according to her, anyone who was sent to the top floor never came back. What a terrifying position to be in. Seriously. To, to I would like never go imagine. to those extreme measures to... So sad. I can't even imagine. Literally trying to end your life. Yeah. And when the fire broke out, many of Delphine's guests claimed they tried to get into the enslaved quarters on the third floor to make sure that they were okay. However, firemen were horrified at what they saw when they did reach the top floor. And just stating this now, this is about to get really graphic, so if you're really queasy, or if you don't like listening to it, just skip and we'll yeah. put a little timestamp of where <laughs> to go to next, um, in case you don't wanna listen, because it is about to get pretty graphic. So they saw seven people in terrible condition. They were all shackled in chains. One person was hanging by their neck with their limbs hanging down so far that they actually began to tear. Some had their eyes sewn shut, some had feces in their mouth, and then their mouth was sewn shut. It's just, I can't. It's a lot to get through, guys. Others had some of their body parts removed and then rearranged on a different part of their body. One woman had all of her bones broken and then she was stuffed inside of a small box. Another woman's body was apparently rearranged to look, to look like a spider. However that looked like, I can't even imagine. Like, no. These poor people even had holes drilled into their heads where you could see their brain. And there would be a spoon nearby and the spoon was used to stir their brains. Oh That's just like, like, oh my That's God. evil. Yeah. That's pure Straight evil. evil. This woman was horrible. What breaks me is that many of these people were still alive, begging to just be put out of their misery, like... And who knows how long they were there, yeah. and what else they went through, like, it's just, it's so sad, it's so sad, like, these people suffered so much. And if you've seen American Horror Story, it's pretty spot on. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty spot on when you, I think it is in the first episode of the season, yeah, the where she goes up there and, like, it's just, it's really bad. It's a really awful sight to see, but what's even more terrifying is that's not just horror. Yeah. That's not just like somebody wrote that or directed it. Some, this literally happened. Real life. And that's what's terrifying. So as you can imagine, the people in the town were really upset and formed a mob and they actually destroyed the mansion. And by the time the police showed up to stop everything, the only things that were left were the walls of her house. Like that's crazy. They really ransacked that place. Um, for whatever reason, the town put together a viewing where people could see, come and see the bodies of the, of these poor people who were mutilated, which I think is so freaking weird. I really don't understand that. Was it like, I mean, I don't understand it either, but was it for maybe like awareness of like what? I'm not sure the motives behind that. Like back in this time, and I think we get into it later too, where we mention it, not, there wasn't a lot out on on the human body on anatomy so i feel like it was just it was just intriguing to people it was meant to be shocking mm -hmm. kind of like how a circus is with like freaks and things i feel like it's supposed to get shock and awe yeah but i don't and still these are it's real still people, it's know, disgusting like, it's really literally bad. disgusting so obviously a huge question on everyone's mind was why mm -hmm. why would delphine do all of this so yeah, like we said, there wasn't much known about the human body, so this could have been an experiment to see what 
what you could do to the body and how far one could go without killing the person. Um, just that's too much. Another theory is that she was just a sadist and liked to inflict pain on people. Like probably both. Yeah. She was just pretty evil. Another interesting theory is that she was trying to solve her mother's murder, which there wasn't too much about this online, but I still thought it was interesting to note. Apparently the same people who were enslaved to her, apparently these same people were also enslaved to her mother, who was apparently murdered and they never found out who did it. So is it possible that she was just interrogating these people and torturing them to find out more information? I mean, again, who really knows because there wasn't a lot of information, yeah. but I thought it was interesting to put in here just because it was something I found online. But I feel like even if that was the case, like it's you, too far. The, yeah, the length Way she went to, like far. there's there's evil. In she it. had to have liked it, yeah, like doing it, yeah. you know. So we don't know much else about the Lollaries other than we assume they lived the rest of their life in Paris. Louis apparently died in a hunting accident. <clears throat> However, some believe Delphine returned to the states based on a gravesite in the St. Louis Cemetery in New Orleans that has the following written in French. Madame, Madame Lollerie, born Marie Delphine McCarthy, died in Paris December 7, 1842. However, according to the French records in Paris, she died in 1849, but no one ever actually found her body. However, just something interesting to know, many years later, while construction workers were working on the same property, they found bone fragments and pieces of skeleton buried under the ground and walls and around different parts of the house. It's really so, interesting. Yeah. I wonder where she is. Me too. Like, where she really is. I hope she did live. No, you know. I hope she was miserable. Yeah, I hope so. So over the years, this house has been bought and sold by many different people, used for many different things, including a high school, a music academy, an apartment building, a bar, and much more. Another interesting fact is that Nicolas Cage actually purchased this home in 2007 for $3.45 million. Shout out to Nicolas Cage. Like, but he didn't end up keeping it for long and the house once again was listed for auction as a result of foreclosure and was purchased by Regions Financial Corporation in 2009. That's so weird. Yeah. And unlike American Horror Story, the house is not open for tours, but the house is considered one of the most haunted houses in New Orleans French Quarter. Many believe the poor souls Delphine tortured and killed haunt I actually went on a ghost tour in New Orleans and we stopped by her house and they had, the tour guide had us, he was like, all right, now everybody take out your phones and your pictures and look, he told us to look at the windows where that same window is closed off, where that person jumped out of the window and he said, the last window next to it, sometimes a ghost can be seen in that window. I didn't see anything. I don't think anybody in my group saw anything but that's what he mentioned. And he also gave the background of the story, which I thought was really interesting. So if you're ever in New Orleans and you wanna check out this house, it is still there. Like we said, you can't go inside, um, but you can definitely hear about the background of the story. And it's just interesting to see. So now we're gonna talk about the ax murder of New Orleans, which is another true crime case. So in season three, episode six, we are introduced to the ax man. He was a jazz musician who played the saxophone in various clubs in New Orleans. After a killing spree in 1919, the Axeman typed up a confession naming all of his murder victims and his intention to kill again. In the confession, he promised amnesty to residents who played jazz music in their homes and would kill those who did not. Can you imagine? That's, that's so weird. 
That's such a particular like request, right? To prevent further murders, a group a group of girls from an academy lured him in with opera music and then stabbed him to death. His spirit stayed as a ghost confined to the school. And again, if you've seen the season, then you know this is where the coven is yeah. up to date with, um, what's her name? Fiona Good. Yes. She's like the supreme, so she's running it, basically. Well, her daughter is. Um, and you see that in the house where they are now. That's where the murders take place. Although some of these details were obviously exaggerated for the show, the Axeman was 100% real. Scary. So the Axeman was a serial killer active in New Orleans from May 1918 to October 1919. The victims were usually attacked with an axe that belonged to the victims themselves. In most cases, the Axeman would sneak into the house by removing a panel on the back door of a home. He then attacked one or more of the residents with an axe or a straight razor, but he never took anything from the home, so the crimes were clearly not motivated by a robbery. Like, he just went in to kill them. He literally just went in to kill them. Yeah. So, to this day, the Axeman murders remain unsolved. No one knows who he is or why he killed, but there are some theories. The majority of his victims were Italian-Americans or Italian immigrants. Okay, one, two, three. Oops, it's a little Sorry, <laughs> My dad's really upset right now. <laughs> Which led many to believe the crimes were ethnically motivated. Some media outlets even went as far as saying that there was mafia involvement, but there's no evidence to really back that up. Some suggest the killings were related to sex and that the murderer was a sadist because his victims were mainly women. Another less plausible theory, but a theory nonetheless, is that he killed to promote jazz music. We'll explain. So he left six people dead and six severely injured. His first victims were Italian grocery store owner Joseph Maggio and his wife Catherine. They were discovered by Joseph's brother laying on their bed in a pool of blood. And just warning you, this gets like a little graphic. Joseph and Catherine had their throats cut with a razor blade while they slept. Their heads were then bashed in with an axe. Oi. Horrible. Catherine's throat was so deeply cut that it was almost severed from her shoulder. Oh my gosh. There were no clues except for a cryptic message written in chalk on the pavement and it was like a couple of miles away from the house that read, Mrs. Maggio will sit up tonight just like Mrs. Tony. What does that mean? Like, just so weird. Thing is, I feel like we're all, like people are always trying to rationalize serial killers. Yeah. But you can't. No. You really can't. They're just insane. The police thought this message referred to Miss Tony Sharamba, and I'm sorry if we're butchering that, who was one of a number of grocers of Italian descent killed and attacked during the period of 1911 through 1912. The victims had been killed with an axe, and no one really knows if these murders were connected or if the axeman has been killing before 1919. 1918. 1918. So yeah, so this like killing spree started in 1918, but there was like a killing spree from like 1911 to 1912. That could have been that could have been him, but nobody could connect it, like because we still don't know who this person right. is, and those murders weren't solved. So like, it's just like another. Theory, more, I feel like but, more likely than not, but who yeah, knows? But who knows? Especially like if it was like Italian grocers, that's what he was targeting. What too. the heck, man? It's just so it's so weird. This whole thing. So the Axeman's worst attack took place in March 1919. Rosie Cordoniglia awoke to the sight of her husband Charles fighting the Axeman. First of all, how like, scary! So scary. He took several blows to the head. The Axeman then turned to Rosie, who was cradling her two-year-old daughter. It makes me sad. It's so sad. 
The axe came down upon both of them, killing the child instantly and fracturing Rosie's skull. Charles and Rosie made a full recovery, but their wow. child died, which is just hard, freaking heartbreaking. Like we said, the Axeman was never caught and the crime spree just mysteriously stopped in October of 1919. On March 13, 1919, a letter from a person saying that they are the Axeman was published in newspapers saying that he would kill again at 15 minutes past midnight on the night of March 19th, but would spare occupants of any place where a jazz band was playing. That night, all of New Orleans dance halls were filled to capacity and professional and amateur bands played jazz at parties at hundreds of houses all around town. There was no murders that night. How weird. That's so insane. That's so weird that like he had that request. This, and this random person had that much power and influence yeah. over an entire city. An entire city. Everyone was playing jazz music that night. Like, the, everything was packed. Like, just insane. So weird. So, like we said, no one knows the identity of the Axeman, but there were some speculations. Crime writer Colin Wilson speculates it was a man named Joseph Momfrey. He was shot to death in Los Angeles in December 1920 by the widow of Mike Pepitone, which was the Axeman's last known victim. However, another crime writer, Michael Newton, looked into this and can't find any records of a man named Joseph Momfrey having been assaulted or killed in Los Angeles. Interesting. Yeah, so who knows? He also couldn't find any evidence that Pepitone's widow was arrested, tried, or convicted of this crime. So, like, that was pretty much debunked. Since the majority of the attacks were on Italian-American grocers, a lot of people believe they were victims of an earlier form of mafia called the Black Hand. The Black Hand was an extortion method used in Italian neighborhoods. It was believed that the victims possibly owed money to the mafia. The only thing that debunks this is the fact that the Axeman would leave some victims alive, which would not be the case if it, was, if it had been the Black Hand attacks. Yeah. Uh, if you were a target of the mafia, you were done. You were done. You were done, you were never seen again. Yep. Where's Jimmy Hoffa? You tell me. We could do a video. <laughs> another video. <laughs> so another theory is that there were copycat killers. Some believe there were actually several killers either copying the X-Men's methods, um, so like they weren't always him, right? or it was a bunch of people working together to terrorize the community. Um, but that's as far as it goes with suspects. There, these are all theories, and none of them really have any solid ev evidence, so the Axeman remains a mystery. Like, there's no substance behind these. I mean, this was in what, like, 1920s? Literally, literally yeah. the early 1900s, so... There, there's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, they never found this guy. Still don't know who he is. None of the theories really add up. Like, it's just... To me, this is such an interesting case, like, on the level of the Black Dahlia, just because of how odd it is. Mm -hmm. So I would be very interested to know and like the motives behind it. Yeah, because like so weird. didn't steal anything. These people weren't really connected except for the fact they were Italian, some were grocers, but like they weren't like, I don't know, like they couldn't figure it out. Like they weren't. No know. obvious motive. Yeah. So very weird, just, very interesting. Just so weird. And then also like he wouldn't bring his own weapons. Like he killed those people with, with their, own, their own, axe. own axe. That's crazy. Like yeah. everybody owned an axe back then? That's what I'm saying. Do you I'm own like, an axe? Well, if there was an axe, he killed him with a razor. Oh, okay. But I, he was known as axe. Do you own an axe? I do not. I don't either. I just pull it out. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but th that's weird, too, because it's like, I don't know, did you go there with the intentions of killing, or, like, you just go 
there, find a weapon, and figure it out. It's so, it's That's so bizarre. Weird. So, yeah. So we were only planning on mentioning two people, but we wanted to talk a little bit about Marie Laveau, also referred to as the Voodoo Queen of New Orleans. She was also in season three, and honestly, we loved her character, so yeah. we couldn't not talk about her um, without mentioning. We can we can talk about season three without mentioning her at all. So we see Marie throughout the season, and at first, it's very much like the witches against the voodoo practitioners but at the by the end of the season again just a spoiler alert they end up teaming up together and that's what you call some girl power right there yes extreme girl power yep but just like delphine and the axe murderer marie was also a real person she was born and raised in new orleans in the early 1800s and not only was she a voodoo practitioner but like how she's portrayed in the show she actually owned and operated a beauty salon i think that's really interesting yeah that's, that's i really, really like cool. that they included that me too it was said she was a strong leader in her community and helped a lot of people. She died in 1888 at the age of 79 and is rumored to be buried in the St. Louis Cemetery Number 1. Today, you can only visit the cemetery if you're, a special, if you're on a special guided tour because there have been lots of vandalism and destruction of graves, graves and tombs, including Marie Laveau's. And interesting fact, in 1982, the band The Misfits were actually arrested and accused of attempting to exhume Marie's body after a so weird and they weren't the only people there's been a lot of people over the years who've tried specifically to take go to her gravesite and like exhume her body or they try to leave her gifts and things so that she can work her healing powers on them in this life from the afterlife it's just really interesting, interesting. really kind of spooky but yeah. so it's kind of sad that you can't go and visit that anymore like you have like Matthew said you have to be on a guided tour but I I need to go to New Orleans again and like just do. I love New Orleans. Yeah. If you like New Orleans, you need to watch the season if you haven't. Yes. It's, like, it's so good. It's so good. It's definitely one of the top three. Yeah. But that is it for us today, guys. We really hope you enjoyed this extra spooky episode of True Stories from American Horror Story. And you already know we will absolutely, absolutely be keeping the party going. So if there's a specific case, a person, event, whatever it may be, and you want to, that you want to see from American Horror Story, don't be shy. Comment down below. We'll do it. We'll do it. So don't miss out on our spooky event video posting this weekend. And we'll see you in the next one. Stay spooky, guys. Stay spooky.